Hey, before we begin today's show, whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day, muscle pain and tension is a real thing. That's why so many people use Theragun, a handheld percussive therapy device. I like how they said that. Uh, that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, power, and speed. You see uh, pro athletes using these all the time uh, to wipe away pain in their in their muscles. You see them after practice, after games, see them in the locker room. Um, there is something to this technology. These guys really do love it. They can't get by without uh, these devices. Um, but even though the pro athletes love it, it's not just for those elite athletes, as I said. If you use it the end of your long day at the office or running around uh, chasing the kids, uh, I promise you it'll make you feel better. Um, and that way you can feel better naturally and treat your pain and get back to your life without the need for drugs. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days or get your money back by going to theragun.com slash hoop. For a limited time, our listeners can get a free charging stand with a purchase, a $79 value. That's theragun.com slash hoop, H-O-O-P, theragun, T-H-E-R-A-G-U-N dot com slash hoop. So Theragun can give you a boost in energy as you feel better when your muscles feel looser. And then you can back that up with five-hour energy shots, which makes overall enjoyment of life much better, especially when you're up late writing articles, watching games, or sending angry text messages to Andrew Hahn. Mostly what happens is he sends me passive-aggressive texts and then I get angry uh, during the podcast. Um, five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. With zero sugar, four calories, and a convenient portable size, it's the perfect pick-me-up for busy, hard-working people. And as you know, if you listen to this podcast, it now comes in two great extra-strength tropical tastes, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious, and they can take you to that tropical on-the-go experience. Try them both, then go online to shop the number 5 hourenergycom and use the code HOOP, H-O-O-P, to receive a one-time offer of 10% off. That's shop5hourenergy.com and use the code HOOP for 10% off. 5-Hour Energy, energy on the go. And a man who I've personally seen drinking 5-Hour Energy shots, the great Adrian Wojnarski. He's the host of the Woj Pod. And if you want to hear interviews with some of the biggest names in basketball, then I suggest you download, subscribe, rate, and review the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcast. And while you're there, do the same for the Hoop Collective. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. We are recording this on Sunday night, 9 o'clock or so Eastern Time. Although just about all the NBA games for the day are over. I think there's one game going on in Sacramento right now. Um, making his first appearance, I believe, on our podcast. Uh, joining us from Minneapolis, where he covered the Pelicans beating the Minnesota Timberwolves, is our Pelicans beat writer, Andrew Lopez. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm wonderful. I was um, enjoying this 60-degree weather in Minneapolis today that at least seven people have told me about um, that they are very, very excited for. Um, now, Andrew, I have seen in some photographs that you have a bit of a shoe collection. Can you, <laughs> can you possibly match the shoe prowess of our other guest, who's joining us from Staples Center, which was the epicenter of the NBA for the last 72 hours. In all honesty, it's the epicenter of the NBA most of the year. Um, Dave McMenamin. Dave, 
You and Andrew, I am I'm clueless when it comes to shoes, but you and Andrew, I feel like should you could have a shoe podcast. So where Andrew and I differ, I reserve my sneakers for when I'm playing basketball, or you know maybe want to break out a fresh pair for like you know going on a date or going to a concert or something. Andrew wears them at games, and so so far he has shown yeah. more of his collection, but um, I have the true collection. Oh, I yeah, see. I, I, see. I, need a, I need a couple of more trips to Portland before I can get my collection where I want it to be. I see. There okay. you go. Um, all right. Well, Dave, um, humongous weekend for the Lakers. Uh, absolutely smashing success. Um, quality win over the Bucks on Friday. Um, but the real centerpiece uh, to this afternoon in Staples Center, uh, obviously with a really impressive win over the Clippers, Clippers had been 10-0 with their full roster. Um, Lakers just flat-out beat them. And, and I think, and I'll yield to you here in a second, but I think what the what most impressed me was the Lakers did not have their A game today. If they had come in there and they had shot in 50% from three and you know everything just went their way, you say, okay, they had a great game um, and you, know, you move on. But it was a workmanlike win. They grounded out. LeBron... Um, didn't shoot the ball well at all, but made so many plays. Um, it had to be a pretty euphoric situation in the Lakers' locker room afterward. It was a confident, prideful, not necessarily satisfied because there was talk of we have more to do, but an accomplished feeling in that locker room. And listen, they've been listening to people on Twitter Radio shows, talk shows, TV shows, I'm sure, you know, Mater D's at restaurants and yoga instructors and everywhere you go in Los Angeles who have been telling them for basically since the summertime when Kawhi chose the, the Clippers over the Lakers that you want the best team in the city. I've been and saying it, it was a, a chance to get that off their chest that <laughs> are you really going to doubt a team that has LeBron James and Anthony Davis and a bunch of guys who 60 games in? know how to play their roles and they, that they made i don't know if it's a statement a lot of guys on the team were pushing back against that using that word but they certainly gave a reminder to people uh that's a heck of a talent collection that the lakers have as well yeah well i thought they were you know they were just terrific on defense today. i mean they've been good on defense all year um really getting into the passing lanes the clippers had um, 15 turnovers and just 12 assists. Um, for as great as the Clippers have been, they have not done a very good job. Uh, they didn't have the right mindset coming into this game. They were very, very lazy in my opinion. Maybe not lazy is the wrong word. They were not ready for the way the Lakers defended. They threw passes that they thought would be no problem, and you had Lakers darting into passing lanes. They were very uncomfortable. I felt like Kawhi, uh, even though his overall stats looked okay, um, <clears throat> he didn't get to his spots uh, very often. And Kawhi had dominated, in my opinion, the first two the first two matchups. He pretty much won the games for them. And this is what the Lakers have been doing all year. And also Frank Vogel um, pretty much abandoned playing a center. That's one of the things that the Lakers have done so well. Um, and the whole thing about you know, keeping Anthony Davis from playing center. And, you know, Andrew knows Anthony Davis very well. We'll talk about that in a second. But um, but basically playing Anthony Davis at five, you know, or whatever as their center for a lot of that game 
Um, I thought the Lakers had a had a smart game plan. They executed it really well. Yeah, I mean, offensively late, you saw LeBron just hunting matchups against Lou Williams. They're like, okay, if you want to be at, have him out here and have him bring that scoring threat to your team, we're going to expose him defensively. And so he was setting up pick and rolls where he would get the switch against Lou and then either you know blow by him himself, back him down into the post uh, and be able to score from that angle, or you know back him down and then shoot out to uh, spread it out to a shooter. And that was you know really well executed. Then the opposite end, defensively, Anthony Davis was a menace. He was pushing Kawhi off of his spots. He along with LeBron and Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green, sacrificing their bodies, trying to take charges. And there's just kind of a simple fact of basketball. The team that has more grit oftentimes will come out victorious. The Lakers were the team that had more grit. And, you know, uh, several guys mentioned the addition of Markeith Morris being really a boon in that area where, where Morris has come in and, automatically infuse them with some toughness that they didn't necessarily have a couple weeks ago. Well, Marcus Morris, his brother, who the Clippers got in the bidding war, uh, was terrible today. He was 0 of 9 shooting. Um, he was one of the people that had difficulty handling LeBron. Not that I would expect him to slow him down. He had five fouls, most of them on handling LeBron. LeBron drew seven shooting fouls in this game, which is a real indication of his uh, both his health and his aggression level. Because in the last game on Christmas, Dave, he was being bothered by a sore groin a little bit, and I felt like, especially in the second half, in the fourth quarter, he stayed on the perimeter. And I just don't think he had he had his legs underneath him enough to go to go for it. Well, that was not the case today. Um, he went hard today and bullied. And even a couple of times where he missed baskets late, the Lakers were just all over the offensive boards, got their got the offensive rebound and put it back. And Avery Bradley probably had the best offensive game of the season, I would think, um, hit six threes, which gave them a reliable third score. That's one of the big things for the Lakers is who's going to be their third guy, you know, um, and it's, it's, always a, it's always a mystery. Sometimes it's Kyle Kuzma. Sometimes it's Danny Green. Um, sometimes, you know, you have a surprise, you know, uh, Caldwell Pope will have a big game. We've seen Rondo every blue moon put something up there. Um, they're hoping maybe Markeith Morris and today it was Avery Bradley. And, um, uh, that's, that's one thing where I'm a little bit, it, we, if I, the only thing I'd say about the Lakers is, you know, can they get that third, um, score consistently throughout a playoff series? But I'm not saying any, I'm not saying anything about the Lakers. Uh, after this weekend. It was a tremendous performance. They needed it. They got it. And it was great. Andrew, you covered um, Anthony Davis for years in New Orleans. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a question mark whether he can answer on the biggest stage. He's had moments where he's been great, but he's been a little bit inconsistent. Um, and he did not play his greatest in his first two uh, meetings with, with the Clippers. You were covering a game today. I realize you didn't see it, but when I tell you he had 30 points, um, uh, eight rebounds, a couple of steals, a couple of uh, blocks, um, uh, you can tell that he he really brought his game today. Yeah, and the thing about AD that you, you mentioned, I've always thought, and I know a lot of people have always thought, he's at the best when he's the five. And 
a lot of what went wrong, I think, in New Orleans was they were they were always trying to find a five to play next to him because he didn't really want to play the five. Uh, he he always fancied himself as a four, and but he was most effective when he was the five. When the Pelicans had the most success with Anthony Davis was two years ago when they swept the Blazers in the playoffs, and he was a monster in that series because you had Nico Miritich out there who could be the four on offense but guard fives a little bit. But you really still got to see that version of Anthony Davis, and I think that's what you saw today. Uh, I was kind of catching up on um, on some highlights and videos and things like that, and um, that's when he's at his best. And now that he has LeBron there, uh, or that LeBron has him, I think that's the best version of Anthony Davis is when he can still kind of defer to somebody to be the guy, and then he can just kind of handle his business. So, Dave, you talked about how um, uh, LeBron was hunting uh, matchups. Basically, they were, you know, I think what LeBron was saying was, if you're going to put this minus defender out here, I'm going to make you pay for it. Um, uh, you know, early in the season, I felt like LeBron really wanted Anthony Davis to be kind of the finisher. He really wanted him to have his ball in his hands as much as possible. And they were spotty on that, even though their record is great. I mean, you know, they've been the number one seed in the West the entire season. I feel like he didn't always do it. And I think recently, over the last month or so, LeBron has taken, in my opinion, his rightful place with his hand on the joystick. Now, correct me if you think I'm wrong. I thought the game where I really noticed that happening was the game in Denver right before the All-Star break. Um, LeBron took the wheel and went and took him home down the stretch. I feel like he did it in both the games this weekend, too. Now, Anthony Davis was great. But I felt like LeBron was the guy. And in the fourth quarter especially, I think he had 12 of his uh, 28 in the fourth, something like that. Um, even though he, he took his, his normal rest time. Um, I felt like, uh, I feel like that's a shift that's happened that where, you know, LeBron has said, okay, you know, I want Anthony to be involved. And, and he certainly, you know, he had a huge, um, jump shot under, under pressure. I think it was over Giannis on, uh, on, on Friday. And then he had some, some big plays in the fourth quarter in this one, but, you know, it, LeBron is kind of moving into his more familiar role at the end of these games, isn't he? Oh, yes, he is, Brian. And you were right to point out in your column, looking ahead at today's game, that you know there's been an uptick in scoring since the All-Star break for LeBron. Some of that has been, obviously, his aggressive approach and you know wanting to ramp up as we face mid-April and the start of the postseason. But some of it's like... Like I talked to him post game tonight about this. He went 12 for 14 from the foul line. I don't know if you've noticed, but in the eight games since the All Star break, he's shooting close to 80 percent from the free throw line. And that's he has a, he has that, another new routine. He has another new he routine. He has another new routine. Waiting for Tom Haberstroh to write about it. But I mean, I asked him. I was like, "So what's going on?" He's like, "Well, you know, I, I went back and looked at some tape and you know worked on it, and now he's locked in the best he's ever shot from the free throw line in his career." was 78% back in 0809. Now this is a, a eight game sample size, so I don't want to overblow it, but these last eight games he's shooting 77.8% from the free throw line. And so where's this scoring come from? Well, there's some of it. It's not just the aggressive approach. It's once he uses the dribble to get downhill and gets the favorable call, he's able to convert. Uh, so that's been a part of what's been going on here, but it's also picking and choosing this spot. So uh, yes, he was aggressive tonight. But when the Lakers really made the run, it was in the third quarter. LeBron had one shot attempt in the third. 
He was and on the he was know, on the bench when they took the lead for good, pretty much, right? Right. Uh, but to me, like the biggest play he made in the third quarter was that skip pass he had to uh, Avery Bradley over in the corner, and and Avery had it rattle in, and it was kind of like, oh, now there's some momentum building, and so he's still going to be the point guard for this team. He'll, I imagine he'll end up. You know, leading the league in assists this year, which is kind of unprecedented for a guy switching positions year 17. Uh, but then he, he'll know the, the moments where he'll need to score. And when he does score, the Lakers are 20 and 0 this season when he scores 20, 30 plus points, I should say, which is, you know, that, that, that says it all right there. Also, I saw the stat during the broadcast today. Maybe you've written about this this year, but I must have missed it. They're 42 and 0 when they have the lead going to the fourth quarter. That is amazing uh, in today's day and age, especially with a team that, frankly, has struggled with LeBron uh, off the floor. Um, uh, but to your point, before the All-Star game, and that was 51 games, so this is eight games, and let's not overreact, but before the All-Star game, LeBron was averaging five uh, free throw attempts a game. Uh, since the All-Star game, he's averaging eight. And it may not sound like a lot, but the difference in getting those easy baskets, those easy points, um, plus LeBron is the greatest uh, and one finisher in the history of the game. And so if he's going to the basket more and drawing fouls, it's not just those couple of extra free throws he gets. It's the, the opportunity of and ones, which can be devastating because they really fire him up and the crowd. So, um, But I, I also felt like um, that stretch when he sat in the fourth quarter I'm sorry, the third quarter, and they actually incre- They actually took the lead with him on the bench. That's really the, a huge test for this team. Um, but, you know, part of the reason is that uh, Rajon Rondo, who's there playing their backup point guard, just hasn't been very good. And um, I, know I, I think that Alex Caruso should get more time there, but it's clear that Frank Vogel doesn't trust him, and I don't blame him for that. Like he I didn't. I don't think accurate. he played. Yeah, he didn't play Caruso in the whole second half. In this but it doesn't mean he doesn't trust him. Caruso's dealing with a strained hamstring. And he's also, he's called him their secret weapon. So I, I think there's a whole level of crucial we're going to see in the playoffs that this is intentional. I hope so. Because I think uh, Caruso is uh, one of the most undervalued players on the Lakers, if not the most undervalued player. So many of you are probably listening to this podcast in the morning. You've done your workout or you're getting ready to go to work or to school. And when you're done with this podcast, you might start to ask yourself, uh, what's for breakfast? Because let's be honest, there are times when you've spent these precious morning moments listening to the show and you don't leave yourself enough time to prepare that warm, delicious breakfast that you deserve. Trust me, we've all been there. I certainly have had my fair share of sad breakfasts. Those beige, plastic-wrapped, brick-shaped protein bars, day-old break room donuts, frozen breakfast trays, not the finest moments. But now that McChicken breakfast sandwiches are here and they're on the McDonald's breakfast menu, you can never go back to your old breakfast life. That's a breakfast worth getting up for. It's time to change your life for breakfast. Buttery, crispy McChicken biscuits and savory sweet chicken McGriddles, freshly prepared and now available nationwide at McDonald's. That is how you wake up breakfast at participating McDonald's for a limited time. So Dave, one of the things that happened in this weekend was... LeBron took the challenge of defending Giannis Antetokounmpo down the stretch of that game. LeBron took the took the challenge of defending Kawhi Leonard. In in you know in in the way the game was played today, there's a lot of switching. It's not really you can't just look at say oh Kawhi had 28 he scored 28. No, it, it's a lot more complicated than that. But LeBron wanted 
those assignments. Um, did, I thought he had some tremendous defensive plays in this game. Uh, just poured it out on the defensive end. Won both matchups. Uh, you know, um, where in your mind now is the MVP race as we have, you know, roughly 17, 20 games left? You know, there's still a quarter of the season roughly left. If, if you took away PER, because I understand that, you know, there's a lot of people that vote for the award that have kind of found their niche in covering the sport by being able to make sense of the analytics. And there's a lot of information to be learned uh, from there and applied to our coverage to make it smarter. But if you took away the PER number for Giannis, isn't this like obvious LeBron James is the MVP? Plays in the better conference as the best team in that conference. Is tasked with, and fellas, that's the horn going on at Staples Center. Sorry for that. He's tasked with. I like it. I like it. uh, It's authentic. Please tell the folks what's going on there. Is it a a G League LA Defenders game? What's going on? (laughs) It's uh, some local high school kids getting a run in on the Staples Center court. It's pretty cool. And actually, while I was getting into my diatribe about MVP, there's a kid out there. He has to be maybe 14 or 15. Just stroked three straight NBA threes and the place was going nuts. Like it was the. Can you imagine how awesome that would be? Yeah. I mean, that's the moment you live for. Snacks. Can you imagine that? Like a few hours ago, Kawhi and LeBron were playing on that court and now you're out there playing in the same court. And just crushing it. So, so Uh, unless that that kid wins MVP, let me just finish this MVP (laughs) point. All right. All right. So, best team in a better conference. Tasked with congealing a new roster with a new coaching staff, which is not a challenge that Giannis Antetokounmpo had. Uh, 35 years old versus 25 years old. Playing a different position for the first time in his career and leading the league in assists while playing that position. Beating head-to-head Boston Celtics, the LA Clippers, the Milwaukee Bucks. Looking like the better player in the All-Star game where it was a collection of the best talent in the league, looking like the, the player that you could rely on versus Giannis, looking like the better player in the regular season matchups where both teams were healthy, where both teams were rolling. Um, need I go on and on? You know, The other numbers are right there too, mind you, 25 points and 7.5 and rebounds and um, efficiency numbers that are, are as good as other teams in the league. I mean, this guy has not been named MVP for, what, six or seven years at this point? He's been uh, the best player in the league that entire time. Thir- 13 was the last time he won it. He's been the, the best player in the league that entire time, and I don't see how he's not going to – he is not deserving of winning the fifth one to put him in even more rarefied air, joining Bill Russell, Michael Jordan, and um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the only guys to win five or more. Um. While I thought the All-Star game was an incredibly revealing thing about many things, I don't know if it's going to figure into the MVP, but your your point is is interesting. And before I talk about where I'm at on it, uh, Andrew, um, you've been a voter, I believe, for the MVP in the past. Um, How do you look at this race? Um, uh, You know, if you if you were casting a vote, uh, you know, where would your vote be right about now? If, if we're voting today, uh, I think my vote is still for Giannis. 
And as, as I just feel that with, with the LeBron situation right now, we're looking too much at what's happened in the last two weeks instead of the entire season. So if, if that's what we want to do, then let's just say everything before the all-star break doesn't matter. And, and here we go, because we're, we're talking about this head to head matchup, but we're forgetting that they won the first matchup in when Milwaukee beat him. And he had Giannis had 34 and 11 and LeBron had 21. He had a triple double that game, but he, he struggled for that game. So I feel like we're forgetting everything that happened before the all-star break when we're talking about LeBron being the MVP. I think he is certainly worthy. I think he is, it is a one, two race. I don't think it's, there's much discussion after that, but to, to say we're taking out PER and, and that it's, it has to be LeBron. I, I don't, I'm not with that. I think it's, I, I get everything that, that Dave was saying. I just think it's still, I'm looking at the entire season. I'm looking at a guy in Giannis who has been playing not more than 30 minutes a game most nights. It's, it's kind of like how it was with Steph a couple of years ago where he could have had, the, the numbers could have been so much better if they weren't just beating the brakes off the teams. And I think when we look at the, the entire season and you look at what Giannis has done, that has to factor into it. Um, I think LeBron is a great story right now of doing all this at 35. And if, if we're going into who's the better, like who's the best player in the world right now versus who's the MVP, I think those are two different discussions. And I think LeBron well, is solidifying himself Nichols on one of those. Be, yeah, but, 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 yeah. but guys, shouldn't that matter? Shouldn't that matter? If one guy's better at basketball than the other guy, shouldn't that matter? Shouldn't that be a big part of our thinking? No, not in the MVP race, because then if that matters, LeBron would have 10 MVPs. That's not what it well, is. It, maybe he should, though. Player. Maybe he <laughs> should. Why do you, why do you think Mike Trout that. wins it every year? <laughs> why do you think Mike, Mike Trout wins it every year? Because he's the best baseball player. It's pretty simple. Like, I don't know what this baseball think, game is you speak of. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Actually, what that I, is. I have a funny, <laughs> funny story about that. They did one of those challenges, timeout challenges tonight, where a fan has to name as many different sports as they can in 30 seconds, and then they go up against a player who did it, you know, back on media day or whatever. So Kawhi did it. And could name nine sports. He didn't name baseball. <laughs> Just didn't. He went, he went fo- football, basketball, lacrosse was the third sport he mentioned, which was just bizarre. But anyway, Kawhi okay. Leonard, huge lacrosse guy. Didn't see that one that's coming. Right. Okay, so let me just go over a few things here. By the way, LeBron won MVP two in Cleveland, two in Miami. Derrick Rose. It's, it's many people just smooth over this and say that he should have won it the Derrick Rose year. Um, LeBron's number is actually kind of went down his first year in Miami pretty significantly because he had to share the ball a lot more. He did not have his best year that year, and Derrick Rose um, <clears throat> led a 60-win team that I think swept the Heat 3-0. So I, I, I'm not ready to sign off on LeBron as um, needing to own that award. However, I will say that in 2008, the year that Kobe won the MVP, that was in some ways a career MVP award. Kobe really probably should have won it a few years earlier when he was dragging that team in, averaging 37 a game. But I think LeBron was the best player in 2007-8. Again, to win it your first time, you have to really knock the ball to the park. He didn't, but I do think he was was the best player in the league at that point. And then um, in those Cleveland years when he came back, um, he didn't win it. Curry won it twice, including the year he was unanimous. Um, and, but LeBron had incredible years though in those years. And even the year that Westbrook won it, I felt like 
Um, his year was spectacular, and he possibly could have won it had Westbrook not had the narrative on his side. So he probably should have five or six. Um, he thinks, like like you said, he should have maybe seven or eight. I don't know about ten, but you may not be wrong. Um, let me just go over the hard numbers real quick um, before I get into why this is a difficult situation. Um, Giannis is averaging 29.6 points a game. In 31 minutes a game, that's a key number. He's shooting 55% from the field. He's averaging um, 13.7 rebounds, which is just huge. Six assists, one steal, one block. Um, and averaging uh, 3.7 turnovers a game, which I think is a relevant stat uh, because LeBron handles the ball a lot as well. Um, look at LeBron's actual raw numbers. And, and you know, raw numbers aren't, aren't the be-all, end-all. Um, but LeBron is averaging 25.6 points a game, uh, just under 11 assists a game, which um, uh, leads the NBA, uh, just under eight rebounds a game, averaging 35 minutes a game. So five more minutes a game to get those totals, um, shooting 50% from the field um, and averaging uh, four turnovers a game. So consider how much he handles the ball. It's that's pretty good. LeBron's PER is about uh, 26, as Dave mentioned, and um, Giannis's is uh, 31. So huge number. M- most of the years LeBron was in the 30s. I think he was in the 30s uh, with PER five consecutive years. I think he won the MVP for those five. Um, let's see, one, two, three. He was in four out of five years. Uh, he uh, had a PER of uh, in the 30s, and those are the four years he won the MVP. Okay, so... That's the raw numbers. Here's where I think it becomes difficult. And I don't really know the answer here. Um, how do you account for what he has done off the court? How do you account for the way he kept the team together when they were in China and spoke for the team? Dave, you wrote a story um, way back in October where you gave a blow-by-blow of everything that happened over in China, you were there, where he was able to keep the team together. Um, and by the way, I thought they were—you know—they lost a whole bunch of practice time, lost, um, you know, time due to the stress and everything like that. And I thought they were going to be struggling coming out of the gate. He helped them get to a incredible start. Then, of course, you have um, what he did with the Kobe tragedy, where he helped bring the team together. Um, you know, there were two things that had to be uh, addressed in those horrible days. One is the Laker family had to come together and support the Bryant family. That was one thing that had to go on. And that's what Rob Palenka and Jeannie Buss and some other people were doing. The other thing was they had to take care of the team. And LeBron was the voice. Uh, LeBron was, was who was taking care of the team. It was LeBron who went to Adam Silver and said, look, um, our guys aren't ready to play this game against the Clippers. We need to postpone this. Um, and there was, you know, the NBA, I think, at one point really kind of wanted to play that game. And LeBron had to speak for the players and then rally the players out of that. They were very, very upset. How do we account for that? You know, should we account for that? Should that be a part of the award? Should he get credit? Um, should there be credits, um, you know, awarded to his tally for his willingness to go play a point guard, the position that he doesn't necessarily like playing, and regardless of how much he's actually played in his career, regardless of how it doesn't actually matter what the position says in front of him and he's a positionless player, it is a sacrifice for him. It is something that he it does outside of his comfort zone to play that much um, bringing the ball. D- does he get credit for that? Does that matter? 
I don't know the answer to that, but that's part of the profile. And then let me just say one more thing. For as much as we talk about the Bucks and their incredible record, um, the Bucks have 11 losses. The Lakers have 13. Um, it is not out of the realm of possibility, especially with Giannis missing some games here. You know, LeBron's missed three games, but Giannis is now um, going to miss a couple of games with a knee injury. Uh, it's not a real possibility that the Lakers could end up with the best record in the NBA. Um, uh, the Bucks have the easier schedule, uh, but it's not out of the real possibility. And and how would that figure into it? If LeBron was the best player on the team that had the best record, wouldn't that? Or even if it was close, even if it was just what if it finished two games or one game apart, how do you calculate all of that into it? The short answer for me is I don't know. I don't know. What I will say is this, though. Um, my vote is open. Uh, I haven't made my choice yet. Uh, and so there's time left. And these, these games matter. Now, both of these teams are locked into the number one seed. So how much we see going down the stretch, it, 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 it may be hard to know. But all I'm saying is um, I don't know who I'm voting for yet. And um, I think that's, considering what, what Giannis has done this season, I think that's a credit to LeBron. But, Dave... I mean, should we take into the, to account? I mean, should should Giannis be penalized because his team has had a relatively stress free season um, compared to the Lakers? I mean, I, I don't know how to how to how to handle that. Well, let me make some points here. So, first of all, the point about China, right? He didn't just bring the Lakers together. He brought the Lakers and the Nets together. He got a consensus with all the players and made it clear to Adam Silver and the powers that be that he was going to shield them from speaking because he recognized how hot button of an issue it was and it wasn't fair for a random guy at the end of the bench for the Lakers or the Nets to all of a sudden become an international spokesman for a, a very contentious international issue. He, beyond that, okay, you, you go on to obviously, you know, Kobe passing away, that's an unforeseen circumstance and really unlike something I think any NBA team has ever dealt with over the course of a regular season. And, and it wasn't like it was haphazard, uh, LeBron's leadership in those moments. It was something that he's kind of been building his entire career to be able to handle something of that magnitude. And then you just keep going down the list. Okay, he plays more minutes. Well, doesn't that kind of mean that he's more valuable to his team than Giannis is because he needs to be on the court more minutes? Oh, that's to complicated. I mean, Andrew. Team? I mean, like Andrew. Does that any of that matter to you, or um, is it just like, boy, Giannis has been otherworldly on an otherworldly team all year? The, the only thing that I would say that I, that would build my case for LeBron is I. I didn't think the Lakers were going to be the number one seed in the Western Conference. I think going into the year, I felt pretty confident about what the Bucks were going to be. And Giannis is just doing what you thought he was going to do. So the fact that LeBron is, is playing a completely different role kind of does weigh in a little bit to me, but kind of like how Brian was saying, like, if we're asking me to vote today, I'm going with Giannis. If like, but we do still have a month left of the season. The Lakers could still finish with a better record. Uh, all of that does play into it. I just think that saying that it was a slam dunk for LeBron, if you take out one stat, was just, I feel like that's just based off of two weeks and not everything else. But I don't think we can also, it, it's, it's hard for me to build a case for MVP about the, the China stuff. And 
it, it's hard for me to, to to even go into what he did for the Lakers about the Kobe Bryant stuff because that like yes that that would be points for him in that scenario but are we going to penalize Giannis for not having a tragedy to deal with like is that like I feel like that's something we shouldn't be doing in an MVP race I, and, I get and, the case and, that, and the answer that may yeah. be the answer I mean like I well, all I'm saying is I don't know um, you yeah. know because that's one of the things that's happened in the past Dave like um, there have been times in the past where when LeBron has sort of made his case and he's made his case both on the record and off the record over the years he said, you know, like, for example, the year with David Blatt, his numbers in, when he came back to Cleveland went, went way down. I mean, from a numbers standpoint, you know, he thought, you know, he really wasn't a serious contender there. But he was like, do you know what I had to do to, to get this team through this season? And in all honesty, he had a point. He, But on the other hand, he was he was undercutting Blatt left and right. But um when LeBron looks back at when he feels like he should have won MVPs, it includes that intangible stuff. But the voters don't always vote. They, the voters do vote for good story, but they don't always vote. They don't. They don't always vote for intangible. In fact, they almost never do. But like, okay, but everything is open for interpretation, though. Is my point? Like, to to have you locked into the old ways, like the league is changing in other ways. The league is changing where teams stay overnight because they value sleep more on the road. And it's changing where, you know, uh, there's constant updates to this NBA that we're in. And to ignore context and ignore circumstances, to me, it's just not getting it. It's not getting it. Like what LeBron's doing at age 35, we have a chance to either appreciate it in the moment or overlook it in the moment. All right, well, we're going to see. Uh, before we go on to, to Zion here, uh, let me just say that if the Bucks and, and uh, Lakers were playing in a playoff series based on the two games I've seen, you know, it would be 1-1, and I wouldn't know who was going to win it. Uh, it would really be up in the air for me. Uh, if the Lakers and Clippers were playing in a playoff series, it would be 2-1 Clippers right now, and I would have been very positive that the Clippers were going to win the series based on the first two games, and having watched game three, I'm not so sure. And so those very well could be the series we see in the uh, West Finals and Finals. And if that's the case, I would look forward to it. So, Troy, I had uh, a bad weekend because I had to cancel my trip overseas because of the unfortunate events that are happening uh, in the world. Um, but there's a concert coming to my hometown next weekend that I really wanted to go to that I couldn't go to because I was going to be out of town. And I realized, well, that's a great consolation. I can go see this great band. But obviously, since the show is coming up pretty close, most of the tickets are sold out from the box office. So what did I do? I went to the exact place you go in these situations. That's Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is an online ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, our listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists like I'm going to have uh, next weekend perform in person, and you can earn credit back on all the purchases made through that Vivid Seats app in what they call the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Vivid Seats helps you find seats to your favorite events, whether it's sports or concerts, but they can also do other live events, theater, and more, all through that Vivid Seats app. They offer great prices, but this is most important to me. It's an easy purchasing experience. 
so that you know that you can make it from A to Z and get it done without having to scratch your head because I'm not that smart, as well as that in-app loyalty program, Vivid Seats Rewards. With reward statuses ranging from MVP to Hall of Famer, customers can earn from 10% up to 16% credit on all of their purchases through the app. And of course, all Vivid Seats are confirmed orders and they're backed by a 100% guarantee. And when you make your next order, whether you want to join me at this concert uh, or not, put in the code ESPN25, that's ESPN25, and get 10% off your next order. Okay, Andrew, um, going to the team that you cover every day, um, one of the other most compelling teams we've got going in the league right now, um, Pelicans, as they try to get Zion into, or Zion tries to get himself into the playoffs as a rookie. Let me just say, uh, and, and they won by 13 today in Minnesota, avenging that loss earlier in the week um, to Minnesota at home, which was one such of the worst losses. Loss. Yeah, such a um, bad loss. It is, it is, it is pretty rare for a rookie to impact winning and losing. Um, it, it doesn't happen very often in NBA history. Um, and when it has happened, it usually doesn't happen very quickly. It happens, you know, in the second half of their, of their rookie year or something like that. Like, for example, I believe, I believe the start of LeBron's career, his first 20 games, they were 5-15 and 15 or something in, those, in that regard. And um, didn't make the playoffs his first year. Uh, and that's one of the greatest rookies in the NBA history. We saw Luka Doncic come out last year and help the Mavericks, but um, he certainly wasn't able to, to turn the tide of where their season was headed. Um, Zion, I feel like, has done that. And uh, he's got him still, um, he's got him still uh, in the race, even though they're still kind of far back. But... Um, what has been the difference that you've seen with the Pelicans since Zion started playing? It, it's been the – I've actually been impressed at how well he plays next to Derek Favors. That's kind of been the more surprising thing. You, you would think with a guy like Zion who's going to want to – you're going to want him to eat up space. You're going to want him to take up space in the middle. Playing another traditional big next to him is probably not the best idea, but it's worked. And it's worked really good so far uh, with favors next to him. If you look at that starting lineup, I think their net rating so far this year is twenty six point three. Only the <laughs> only the three point guard lineup with Gallo and and Stephen Adams in OKC has a better net rating of teams that have uh, of five man lineups that's played a hundred minutes this year. So. They, they've been really crushing teams when Derek Favors is out there next to Zion, so much so that they haven't had to go to the Zion at the five lineup as much as maybe we thought they were going to have to do earlier in the season. Um, Nicolo Melli has also stepped up uh, as much, but I think it's also unlocked a different level in Lonzo Ball. And that's what's really started to make this team go a little bit is, is Lonzo – is in almost the perfect situation now with Alvin Gentry as his head coach. He has the freedom to play fast. He has the freedom to make these 50, 60 foot passes if, you know, if he wants, which he has done several times to Zion and connected. I think they connected on a almost a 60, 65 foot alley oop today. Uh, they have really. I that one. I'm going to have to go look that up while you're, oh, that, yeah. while you're you, talking. You, you, you could find that on the front page of ESPN. I promise you that one. Uh, They've just, they've really connected. And I think it's, it's unleashed another level of Zoe 
to where he's starting to to be more confident and he's starting to to play at a different level. Like you didn't see Lonzo driving to the goal and trying to convert layups earlier in the year because he was afraid he'd get fouled. And his free throw percentage has, has not been where obviously anybody wants it to be. But he's getting so much more confidence. And I think that is in part of playing with with Zion that it's all starting to kind of click for them right now. What surprised me about him is that he actually – he doesn't really know what he's doing. I mean, that, that sort of sounds like a like a like a dig, but I don't mean it that way. Um, he's doing this a lot of it on sheer talent. Now, having said that, he very clearly has developed uh, a, a number of post moves, and when he gets the ball in the low post, he knows what he's going to do with it. Um, and uh, I think that's one thing that's also surprised me. Yeah, and also surprised a bunch of defenders because he gets the ball yeah. and he hits them with something. Sometimes it's sheer power. Sometimes it's a, it's a move. But I don't think he even know even under that he's still scratching the surface. It's really really impressed me. Uh, by the way, that alley oop I just watched it. It was in traffic. He was yeah. guarded. <laughs> there's and there's two. Of them. They the did they did they, it was two of them on like within a span of like four plays. They just didn't the the. The T Wolves just didn't get back on defense twice in a row, and they just converted one from like sixty, and then one from like half court. It, it's it's ridiculous. He he doesn't really, especially defensively, and this is again, this is not rare for a rookie. He doesn't have any idea what's going on at times. Um, he, the the game is moving around him, and he's not following it, which is again typical of a rookie, especially a rookie who didn't have anything resembling like a training camp to work on it and hasn't put in the um, put in the reps. Um, that's, you know, he, you know, his dunks are like amazing and he had like five <laughs> of them today. But that's what I get excited about is I can see how he's going to get so much better. I mean, when he has talked to you about how the game is moving, um, you know, do you get the sense that he's just sort of that, he, that it's slowing down at all for him, or is he? Do you think he's still very much out there like a deer in the headlights? Because I think so. You 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 do get the sense that it's slowing down, uh, but there are times where you feel like his body is moving a little, like his mind's going a little bit faster than what his body is able to catch up to. He knows what the right play to make is. His his basketball IQ is something. You talk to David Griffin, you talk to Alvin Gentry, they rave about his basketball IQ, which. Is, is, is wild to think of, about a 19 year old, but they, it's incredible how much they talk about it. And he knows sometimes the right pass to make. He just can't get his body to do it just yet. So once he starts to catch up, because everything's kind of going around him so, so much, I think he's going to, to continue to get better. I mean, the fact that he's averaging what, I think it's 26 a game in his last 10 games. I mean, that's, it's just insane. And a lot of it is just on brute strength. He's just going to push guys out the way. Um, no matter who who's guarding him. I mean, the only times he's really had problems so far this year has been when he's guarded by a he's guarded by a, a, a seven footer, and there's a seven foot rim protector at the rim. When Giannis was guarding him, and the Lopez twins were behind him. When AD guarded him, and the Lakers big men were behind him. One on one, LeBron gave him issues, but the only other one was was when Kleber and and. Uh, in that group, and and Porzingis gave him problems in Denver, and, and I mean in Dallas, and he figured that out by the second half. It's his ability to adapt has been the most impressive, and how they figure out. Look, okay, I can't do this. 
and most young guys, rookies in the league, if, the, if you take away their first two moves, they're done. He just keeps trying to figure it out. And, All right, well, I got to do this. I got to do this. And he just used to figure it out on that end. And that's probably been the most impressive thing is how he adapts. So, Dave, um, we've had a couple of the best rookies we've seen in the last decade uh, come into the league the last two years in um, John Morant and, uh, and Luka Doncic. Zion's averaging more points than both of them, and he doesn't have a jump shot yet. He did hit his – you know, he had four threes on opening night, his first game. Uh, he'd only, he had only hit one three since, but he did hit a, another three tonight. He doesn't have a jump shot at all, um, but he's still averaging 26 points just on brute strength and, and talent. It's, 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 it's pretty remarkable to watch him play. Yeah, they played the Lakers twice in the last couple of weeks, and I spoke to a bunch of guys in the locker room about you know what makes Zion so special so early, and we know the dunks gets everybody's attention, but uh, what what Dwight told me and, and LeBron kind of echoed the same point was that he's really good at using his bulk, using his body to kind of dislodge the defender from whatever spot they're on, and then not that's not good enough. He does that, and then he has this quick burst, uh, either with a move or with a jump or with sometimes a first jump and a second and a third jump. And it, it's just that combination of literally strength and speed that has has made him be so effective so quickly because you really like can't do anything against that. He's going to create the space legally by his sheer bulk, and then with that space he's going to go – either towards the rim or towards the paint um, and put himself in a better position to score. It's an incredible skill set. So, Andrew, they won today, and as of this moment, the Kings are playing right now, so uh, we won't have a complete picture because they're in ninth place. But the Grizzlies um, have a um, – the Pelicans have moved up from 12th to 10th over the weekend. The Grizzlies have a four-game lead on them, which is I think where it was at the All-Star break. Um, it was it was five and a half at the All Star break. Oh, it's a five and a, it was four overall. It was four overall. Yeah. So they're they're a half game back of the Kings. If the Kings beat the Raptors tonight, it could be a full game. But they're half game back of the Kings, and four back of the Grizzlies. Um, they have one of the easiest schedules left of all the teams in the league, and the easiest of these teams that are going for this eighth seed, which are the Grizzlies, who are in eighth, um, the Kings, the Pelicans, the Blazers, the Spurs, essentially. Um, the advantage that they have is I think they still have seven games left with the teams in this race, including yeah. uh, two, ga- two games with the Kings who are in front of them and two games with the Grizzlies, or is it one game with the Grizzlies? No, it's two with the Kings, two with the Grizzlies, three with the Spurs. Okay. So um, it's still four games. I mean, the, we've talked about this race quite a bit. The Grizzlies, despite having some injuries, have not really lost any ground. Um do you think after this this bad last week where they lost three games in four nights, um, do you do you still like their chances of catching Memphis? Not as much as they did before the three-game losing streak. Um, I think at one point they had got it down to two games because uh, it went from, I think, five and a half to two out of the way both teams came out of the All-Star break. The, the one thing that the Pelicans have in their favor – like you mentioned, the seven games against both of those teams, two against Memphis, and they've really had their way with Memphis the first two games they played them. They, they were up with, without Zion. They, they were up 25. 
they almost lost it in that game. It took a, a really, really good game from Drew Holiday to get that back. Uh, and then when they played him, I think it was Zion's second game where they, they played uh, the Grizzlies at home, they really dominated that game and ended up winning by 10. So they've, they've liked, I'm sorry, they, they won that game by 28. Uh, so they've really dominated that game, that matchup so far. Uh, after this upcoming stretch, they're at Sacramento, at Utah, at the Clippers. After that, they only play one team in the final 15 games that's currently uh, 500 or uh, above 500. I mean, it's it's one team that they're playing that's above 500, and that's Philly, and that's a home game, and we all know how bad Philly is on the road this year. So, um, Well, the one so thing I will say about that, about that Clippers game, it is the second night of a back-to-back. Oh, that's going to be Clippers. a bad game. <laughs> well, but second night of a back-to-back for the Clippers, which means very unlikely that Kawhi plays in that game. Um, so it's also the second I night of a back-to-back for the Pelicans coming off of a, a bad road trip. That's the it'll be that the Utah true. the night before, so that that, that could be true. a an up and up in the air type game. But the, so the games are there for them to win. The only team like like I said, the only team above five hundred is Philly. Everybody else is five hundred or below. So. And you do have the games to play. And if they can get it, it, everything looks like it should be in their favor. It just kind of matters what Memphis does. The, the problem that they mentioned the other day was now that you, when you fall back, when you lose a game like that to Minnesota last week, you put yourself in a bad spot because now you're not just chasing Memphis. Now you're chasing Memphis and Sacramento and San Antonio. You know you're in a race with all those teams, but it, it really starts to – to become tougher. And I, I, I think it's there. I think it's possible. I just don't know that there's not too many losses that they can afford, uh, right, in these, right. in these final games. Right. They, have, they have to thread them though. They have a stretch, uh, in two weeks where they play at Memphis on Saturday, home to Sacramento on Sunday, and then home to Memphis on Tuesday. So three games in four days. That's a tough stretch. My guess is, um, they sweep that, or they're still their heads are above water, and they sweep that. They'll be in really good shape, but that could also be where it ends if they don't go as well. Dave, do you think? Um, do you still look at the Pelicans as a team that that can overcome? Because the Grizzlies have, have righted the ship a little bit here, not a little bit, a lot. Andrew just laid out the schedule. Um, the Grizzlies obviously have a easier go of it, um, schedule wise, the rest of the way, and so you have to take that into consideration um i'm just going to be the selfish basketball fan and say (laughs) we didn't we didn't get steph or clay all season long we didn't get kd all season long we barely got Kyrie. make up for to the playoffs basketball gods give me lakers clippers give me lakers zion give me a a great matchup in the finals uh you know this is we've kind of been struggling in the regular season i'd love to make up for it in the playoffs all right, well, we will be keeping an eye on that for sure. I can guarantee you that ESPN will be keeping an eye on both the Lakers uh, and uh, uh, That I can bet on. Uh, hey, Andrew, thanks for joining us. We'll be talking to you soon, I'm sure. Good luck on this road trip. Dave, why don't you see if you can get down there and check in? I'll bet you get a few minutes. I mean, you, you, you don't you'll I mean, stick that The problem is I'm wearing my wingtips. Uh, if I had an wow, see, if you, if you follow my game, strategy, I'd be ready to get on there. I know. Right. I know, man. All right, well, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective. We'll talk to you later in the week.